0: the Mud Puppy Games And That you're part of a time travel experiment that went a little caca.
1: A little caca?
2: Save for talk Podcast, Where we'll talk about old school games and the modern games inspired by. No no govern
0: homes and band of oaks. Hawkins on this ain't bones in no no throne don't so it down no no. Don't big
3: ambitions and ambitions so many possibilities when i swing. Hello one and all. Welcome to Safer app Podcast, a podcast where we cover old-school games and the modern games inspired by them. I am DM Mike, who if I were a time-traveling TV show, I might be the Time Tunnel. And joining me is DM Jim, who if he were a time-traveling TV show, it would be Doctor Who. Oh, thanks for giving me Doctor Who. You're welcome. And if DM Liz were a show, she would be Sherman and Peabody.
1: Oh. I did not even think about them.
3: And that is DM Corbett, who if he were a show, would be It's About Time.
1: It is about time. And about space.
3: <laughs> and if you remember that show, it's about you
1: get four a four podcasters <laughs> in the <this> strangest place. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and speaking of strange places, we're talking about Timeship, the time-traveling role-playing game from Yaquento in 1982.
1: Or a million years ago.
3: Uh, or <laughs> 320 million years in the future. Never know. <laughs> or with Hitler.
1: Or with Hitler.
0: Nothing throws me out of something worse than a science violation, like this in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie where they're building an enterprise on the surface of the planet when you would never do that. This guy said the Earth was 400 billion years old. <laughs> In these rules
3: <laughs> when the whole whole the universe Godzilla is plane.
0: only like 13.7 billion years old this show is renamed jim's top 25 of Time. <laughs> <laughs> i read that and i'm like
3: that's got to be a typo i read that wrong No, nope, no. Nope. the part of tim cask will be played by dm jim
1: <laughs> <Arr>.
3: <laughs> yes written by herbie brennan I always trust historical works written by a guy named Herbie. Well,
1: you don't like Herbie? It's the best Herbie. Volkswagen ever.
3: Oh, you would love that bug, wouldn't you? Right. So, before, though, we talk about it, do we have any emails or Patreons to announce?
2: No new patrons to announce right now. And quite honestly, I didn't even check our emails. My well. bad.
3: That's okay, we may need all the time we can. For We're this going to generate some emails this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. By the strong timeship following fan club out there that's ready to come yeah. back at us.
0: Or, or we just do a contest. Can you find a worse RPG
3: than this? Could Send I. us your entries.
1: No, it's a challenge.
3: Ooh, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Ironically, listeners, I'm probably not going to be the most ba person on this show.
1: <laughs> Who will be the most ba?
3: <laughs> so, Meh. a quick pod break. Would that be a ba break? And then when we return, we'll talk about Mike and the mechanics.
1: Into a world without nearly enough quality gamer podcasts, they came. The Grognard Files, a podcast about role-playing games from back in the day. You know they're experts because they speak with British accents. Find them at armchairadventureblog.com, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are served. He,
3: he, He was a coke she was a pepsi together they were a coke
1: and a pepsi it's the story of a much older older pepsi and a, a much younger coke she offered him a thrill a he went along for the ride until one day jealousy, jealousy. took over pepsi found out her friends like the new coke for his better taste and that's when they fell out well uh that's when pepsi fell out this is Mac Mac Max catch the wave coke gotcha.
3: portion of the show is being brought to you by Oxygen, America's favorite gas. Remember, four out of five doctors surveyed recommend
0: Oxygen for their patients who breathe air.
1: It's time for Mike and the Mechanics. Sorry. Sorry. That's Mike and the Mechanics. ...of the game. My bad.
3: Mike and the Mechanics.
1: Please explain
0: these rules to me.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm going to try to be brief on this one, since I'm tired of some people always pointing out that I'm stealing their top fives. (laughs) This is an interesting game, and it's actually, I think, one of its greatest strengths and one of its greatest weaknesses. Or maybe strengths is a wrong word. The most interesting aspect of it. You are playing yourself. Not you as a superhero like in Villains of Vigilantes or anything like that. No, just you. You are expected to see a time gate open up next to the table while the Time Lord is running the game, the GM. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant... Time Lord. <laughs> oh, that was
2: good. Oh, Very oh, good. Are you using the big voice microphone? <laughs> yes. Give me that. I'm going to be right back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was so good.
3: I mean, we
0: always say we'll do it. that in post, but you <laughs>
3: <laughs> Because that word is used a lot in this game.
2: Greetings, Time Lord.
3: <laughs> Much like that.
2: God, I love this. (laughs) Okay, I shall give the microphone back to you.
3: No, no, keep it, keep it, keep it. I'll just may ask you to do the time alert, the big voice for me. Okay. So, as you can imagine, there aren't a ton of skills in this game because the assumption is if you can do it, you'll think of a way to do it because it's you. You don't need to roll dice. The only time you tend to need to roll dice is for stuff like quote-unquote attributes, or two hit numbers. And these are determined, usually with a baseline of 50, depending on what extra points you get. You can add them. You can subtract from others to build up other things, depending on what you think is you. Be honest. Mm -hmm. Oh, I will. (laughs) And as a side note, I've got my character sheet of me when I was age 15 and what I thought I was like. (laughs) I'm going to scan that and put it up as an extra for the Patreon listeners. I would have paid you to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, everything is percentile. What threw me off a little at the beginning, and still does a bit, is that standard two hits in this game are 60% or more, but a lot of checks you do are the number or less. And I, that struck me as so counterintuitive, and I couldn't figure out why, and then suddenly it, it struck me. D&D. To hit numbers are that number or higher. Attribute checks are that number or lower. Right, 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 right. So, so basically stole, stole it. it.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, you're given a character sheet, and the box set comes with a huge pad of character sheets. It, this is... One of the games where the pad of character sheets is thicker than the rule book. Hmm. That's basically the rules. Everything is percentile. You either need to roll up or low, roll down. You generate group energy at the beginning of each session and personal energy. Group energy is used to open a gate to go to the time area you want to go to. Any leftover you can buy used to spend to take group items back in time with you. Personal energy is used to bring personal items and sort of as hit points, but we'll discuss that more as you get into it. It's interesting because every adventure, your number's going to be a little different. That's odd. And the question obviously comes up, if you don't have enough group energy to open the gate, does that mean you don't play? Guess not. It doesn't say in the rules. Which would kind of suck, because that's a great thing to put in a game—is a rule that basically, due to a die roll or, th- or a couple of die rolls, none of you can play.
2: I think I remember reading, and I'll go back and look at the at the book as we're talking further. But I think I remember reading: if your rolls are so bad that you can't even muster the group energy to open up the gate, it'll let—they'll let you re-roll until you make it.
3: But that's a bad game rule.
2: Well, yeah, it is. But I, I think I I think I remember reading that. Okay. You can keep I, I rolling until that. you make the group energy.
3: All I recall is them saying something along the lines of, it would be foolish to go back in time with virtually <laughs> no group energy. You know, something like that. Mm. But I don't recall that rule. Doesn't mean it's not there. But I mean, way back in the day, we had a rule
0: like that. If there wasn't enough Jim Beam, I wouldn't run the game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I, that must be where Herbie got it from. That, that I,
2: actually, I think alcohol
3: you, does make a certain amount of sense, but anyway. you
2: probably need that rule for this game. <laughs> it would so, help.
3: Now let's go to top five.
1: The save for half. Top five. In five, four, three
3: okay and we're gonna let jim go first so oh i'm ready i'm I'm first impressions and try not to step on top fives if you can just first impressions jim
0: this is the first time i've ever read the rules for an rpg that it made me mad i got actually (laughs) angry over these rules and I, I'm and I, you know, it's not like I haven't played games that weren't my cup of tea, or I own the Pathfinder Core Book because I had to write some Pathfinder stats. You know, I've read lots of things that aren't my jam. Reading through these rules and the way they were written just pissed me off, and, I, and I've got lots of top fives for why.
3: What about the art?
0: <laughs> the three pieces that were in there were they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> In the rule book, I mean some of the gate illustrations. Yeah, y'all right, didn't you know.
3: y'all were running off the PDF so you didn't get to see the box set. Um, but the actual box was pretty nice.
2: I... Well, the, the cover of the book is basically the box cover. Only so... it's
3: color instead of black and white wa- or
2: I just or... have
0: so many questions, like, how did you find this game? Did you ever play it? Oh God, we played the shit out of this.
2: Yeah, he still has it and that box is beaten up to death. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah. I've got character sheets in there for most of my friends.
0: Well, good. You can fill in during the podcast what normal well, I also gamers have a do with these rules. I haven't played it years, so I
3: have yeah, to Yeah, but I mean, it.
0: you guys were presumably somewhere in the center group of sane human beings who once played this game. Tried you can tell to, us yeah, yeah. how you did that, because clearly his home group, the guy who wrote it, weren't sane. <laughs>
3: okay. Corbett
1: i actually i was on the assumption that you had meant time master uh, the game by pace setter i don't know if you ever played that one it came out about two years after this yeah no i'm familiar with it it was not that it was this <laughs>
3: <laughs> i bet time master didn't have an adventure in gamora now it did it did not all right then
1: I gotta admit, I kind of pretty much went all Wild Stallion and just, like, embraced the, (laughs) sure, (laughs) whatever. Wild Stallions, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. I I totally get Jim's argument. But
0: but in fairness, if the GM of your game session of Timeship was George Carlin, you'd enjoy it.
2: That's
1: very true. That would be awesome.
2: I would enjoy just about any game, game, run, by game Jim- run by George Carlin, George Carlin I think. Yeah. so. I, c- I
0: couldn't remember the character's name in Bill and Ted. What was his name in Bill and Ted? Rufus.
1: Rufus. 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 Yeah. So I, I kind of just unloaded the 10, 12-year-old me and just kind of like, yeah, all right. Uh-huh it is out there I, I gotta admit it had a certain reminiscence of uh, the flash gordon game we reviewed that it was very much like th- did, did the person who wrote this did they ever play a role-playing game or is this just kind of this was his second role-playing game the really? first
3: one he wrote was man myth and magic also for yakinto huh
1: i don't um, think i ever read man myth and magic now i really want to
3: i've read the basic <laughs> rules i haven't read the advanced rules It was okay. He didn't try to do the, let's make this sound like ancient hieroglyphic translations in Man, Myth, and Magic like he tried to do here. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I I went in with a very positive attitude. Very fun. Very, sure, whatever. Let's make, you know, let's make a fruit salad for Hitler. Why not? (laughs)
3: This is, this is gonna work because you two are gonna be kind of the opposite poles, I suspect.
1: Honestly. I think I think Jim's gonna have legitimate arguments. I just mostly like oh, let's just I'm sit back and ride sure it out like a roller he definitely coaster.
0: Definitely will. <laughs> I don't want a long talk, but I get why that one Doctor Who episode put you completely off Doctor Who. The one where <laughs> the moon, the moon. Is sudden for four billion years the moon has just been a dragon egg and a dragon hatched from it and you were done with Doctor Who at that point. <laughs> That's, that's the level of pissed offness this game
3: got me to. So, if I ran this at next year's North Texas, you wouldn't be interested in. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, who could resist that? Is
0: that a threat, Mike? <laughs> that sounds no, like no, a threat. I'm, I'm, I'm open minded. There was a copy of this game in box set, good shape, 33 bucks on eBay, and I bought it this morning just so I can have it on the shelf and point to it and go, there's the worst RPG ever created. <laughs>
1: Stuff it and mount it on the wall like a deer head.
3: <laughs> You're welcome.
2: Okay, no, really, he bought it so he could stab it <laughs>
3: <laughs> repeatedly.
2: So Liz, Liz, what was your
3: first impression? What was your first impression? Yes.
2: Okay. Um. Quite honestly, my first, my very first impression as I started reading it was, why is this game yelling at me?
1: <laughs> All the cats. Oh, right. 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 <laughs> because. And there are
2: so yes exclamation points everywhere and all caps all over the place. It's like wh- whoa whoa. It's
3: a, just a wh-
2: why are you mad at me? Let
3: everybody know. Most of the quote unquote rules in this game are allegedly from an ancient papyrus found by an archaeologist. Oh, now you're heading day. in the top it's fives goals. again.
2: No, no, I'm just
3: <laughs> letting everyone know what we're talking about. Okay. So in it doesn't. Not much of it really reads like a for real rule book. It reads... It's
2: written, quote unquote, in character. And apparently in character is very shouty.
3: So literally every couple of paragraphs has, Time Lord! I
0: read you, Liz. It's like, okay, settle down, Stanley. Yeah, (laughs) boy! This is going to be a
1: fun ride.
2: (laughs) That was my very first impression. Then as I continued reading, my next impression was... Oh, my God. Can this book get any more pretentious sounding? Yes. 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 (laughs) Yes, it can. Yes, it can. (laughs)
3: Side note, the author, Herbie Brennan, was known in the 70s for writing a lot of New New Age and ancient astronaut books, quote unquote nonfiction books. So he he knows the verbiage to go to for that. I hope he doesn't
0: hear this episode because he's a well-respected author. I had to go look him up to say, okay, who is this guy? And to my surprise, he's had like teen novel series on the Times bestseller list. He's still still writing it. Just because you're a good
3: fiction writer doesn't mean that you're a good rules writer, RPG writer. Uh my first impressions. I bought this more or less when it came out. I had the Greenville bookstore actually deliver it. I paid for it, pre-ordered, and my friends in middle school and I played a lot of this. I think it helped that that whole. Yeah, you know, I'm. I hate to sound like the grognard here, but the whole mindset back then of here's what the rules say. If you can't figure it out, just make up something that sounds like it'll work. That was kind of our our bag. We weren't so locked into the rules that people seem to get sometimes now. Well, I say now. They were they were rules Nazis back in the 70s. I mean, they were war gaming. But yeah, we played it a lot. We thought the idea of role-playing ourselves, and of course, being fifteen years, 14, 15 years old, we thought we were much cooler than we really were, like any 14 or 15-year-old. Plus, it was around the time the TV show Voyagers was out, and I noticed that Players in this game are, are frequently referred to as Voyagers. I
2: wonder if that's a coincidence.
1: Yeah, I noticed that, too. It's an awesome show, though.
2: Yeah, Time yeah. Lords and Voyagers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the GM is called uh, Time Saint Lord.
3: Liz.
2: Time Lord.
3: There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, top fives. We'll start with Jim.
0: Okay, why is this game called Time Ship when it doesn't have any time ships? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a game called Time Ship and I'm reading through the whole thing, okay, when do the player characters get to build their time ships? They don't. They get to use their group energy to create a time gate. So why didn't you call it Time Gates?
3: For that matter, why is it called a Time Lord when he's the only one not going through time? Right, 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 right. <laughs> so there you go, quick and easy.
1: Bam! You know, I want to agree with that just because I was thinking to myself, like, how is this not Stargate before Stargate came out? Because it seemed like well, that's what it was.
0: When Mike's talked about this a long time, Corbett, and I did the same thing you did the first time he said it, he said timeship. And I thought of the setter game, which has, you know, those yeah, the little like uh, H.G. Wells time sled things yeah. right on the art. So I was waiting for the timeship for about 48 pages and didn't find it.
2: Yeah, no ships. It's a gate. Yeah. But Timegate probably sounded dumb to him. And so. True.
1: <laughs> true.
3: Or it was already taken. Yeah. I wrote a little note because there's a section, you know, the time ship is not a ship, though you can travel with it. <laughs> the time ship is not a power. But yeah, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm saying. The Timeship is not a game, but it's been <laughs> set near one.
0: Well, I mean, I'm not stupid. I got what he was doing. You know, the ancient scrolls right. discovered in the uh, Israeli deserts and clay jars translate to these are the Timeship Scrolls. They just right. never give you a time Timeship.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. It, it's it's. Yeah. <sighs> OK,
1: Corbett. Oh, right. Well, actually, I can follow that up with my Stargate. Yeah, it, I I thought it had a really cool Stargate feel because. It feels like Stargate. They're talking about archaeology. They're talking about finding hieroglyphics. They're talking about... And this is the one funny thing is even the portals aren't really gates. I can give Jim his total due that, yeah, there's no gate, actually. And there's no ship. (laughs) But it does feel like Stargate. If it was was just twisted a little bit, story-wise, it would totally be Stargate. Except, you know, the time travel. And that could be really cool.
3: Yeah. The three adventures... Don't help the game system. It doesn't. Though fourteen-year-old me was a lot more forgiving of these. A- as a historian, I'm I'm doing my damnedest. I'm not going to comment on the historical veracity of any of this.
1: So. Someone will. Liz will do it. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
2: <laughs> Just you wait. So,
1: so that's yours, Corbett. Yeah, I was. I had a very similar okay. epiphany about Stargate. So I'll use that. Okay, Liz.
2: Okay, has been mentioned already. The game utilizes the quote unquote found manuscript literary convention in the introduction, uh, claiming that the game rules are not actually game rules, but it's stuff that came from an alien, ancient alien scrolls unearthed from an archaeological dig site. Ironically, this is the best writing in the entire book, in my opinion. It's all downhill from here. But I did think it was actually in, an interesting conceit that they did use the found manuscript literary convention for framing all of this. They just didn't do it very well.
0: It's very Victorian.
2: <laughs> it is very Victorian,
0: except for it's a forty-eight-page rule book, and the section you're talking about is five pages long. Yeah. I mean, like the king of read-aloud
3: text here, which gets to my fit number five. Are you done, Liz? I am done. Okay. <laughs> so done. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the original rule book. The box came with a rule book, a DM screen, some handout pictures to show supposedly what you're seeing in the gate the moment you go through to each of the three adventures, and the huge pad of paper. The rule book was 48 pages long, of which 30 are the three adventures. So 18 left, and three of those are the introduction. So you're really looking at only about 15 pages of rules. I like rules light, but wow, there was more rules and awful green things than that. And of those pages, I'd be willing to say two or three of them are just tables worth of armor, weapons and gear that you could potentially take back in time with you. It's a really short for all the stuff you get with it and everything. The actual rules of the game are teeny, which you'll rarely hear me arguing for more rules. But yeah, a few more would have helped here.
0: Number four, Jim. Well, first, know what you're saying. I mean, there's an ambitious idea under there. Games at the time were just getting. I mean, the DMG was horrendously thick, and so the idea is let's do as rules light as we can. And it was an admirable goal. But holy crap! Yeah, my number four is everybody has their play style, tastes, and preferences. One of mine happens to be the genre mash because they kind of did that a lot in the old 30s and 40s pulp fiction. You know, you're on it's a science fiction story, but here come the swords and sandals and saucers, right? Right. But this isn't genre mash. The The, the game is presented as genre mishmash. I mean, it doesn't know what genre style it wants to be. I mean, you've got Ancient Astronauts, Chariot of the Gods, a bunch of Doctor Who mixed in there, an adventure that read to me like Lewis Carroll and its absurdities. On acid. For me, it just never gelled into this is what the game wants to be. Yeah. This is what you're playing. It was just confusing. Does it make sense? Yeah.
3: No, I agree. Is it time travel? Is it science fiction? Is it a cult? I think it suffered from some of the things that other role-playing games did to try to be all things to all people, but he had so few pages. In my opinion, he wastes so much of it on so many things. I mean, he could have had one adventure and used the... He could have left Assassinate the Fuhrer, because, let's face it, everyone wants to kill Hitler and get rid of Murder at the End of Time and Destruction of Gomorrah. And just filled that up with a few more rules, and I think this could have been a more solid game.
1: All right, uh, Corbett? Four. Well, Actually, I was wanting to applaud Let's Kill Hitler, which I think it was called something else, but... I
3: assassinate the <laughs> Fuhrer, but it that's what it means. Let's, let's kill Hitler. Not... <laughs> let's kill Hitler.
0: I don't know how old Stephen Moffat was in 1983, but he definitely read that. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's yeah.
1: pretty much on par with, okay, let's go. To, and that I thought was pretty cool because there's always, I've, I've read a couple different time type games and they usually dance around like major events or they'll try to figure out a way to like slice you underneath it so you don't have a chance of messing up the way things go. And he just like, "Bad, ah, yeah, jump in there and do it, wild stallions." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No kill
3: problem. Hitler and check his colon for <laughs> I
1: mean,
3: that's go for it.
2: Well, trying to kill Hitler is a staple of time travel. Post forty five. Oh yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Well, I was just gonna say, most games I've ever read though had like. Things around, they did kind of the quantum leap approach to it. You'll have a story about a guy who's suffering persecution because of segregation, but not the main one that became the figurehead, but somebody who knows the person who's part of somebody who's around wow. the person. It's like an indirect version. So you kind of get this sort of parallel feel of it without messing things up because you know players will. Because <laughs> if you go save Rosa Parks, then history plays out. There. Yeah.
3: Or you gut her down before she gets in the. Plus, you know. <laughs> well,
0: hey, I played I with people. Mike. I Mike, played Mike, with Mike,
1: people. Mike, 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 what? not Rosa Parks.
3: <laughs> I have played with people that would do that they just to would. screw things up.
1: And that's 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 in most games I've seen. That is the way they they try to put put a buffer between you and the thing that could ruin all history. <laughs> and I thought it was daring as far as the game is concerned. Like, yeah, let's jump in there. Let's mix it up. Her yep. party time hat ship on. Is,
3: <laughs> Time ship is Honey Badger.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: it doesn't give a crap.
3: All right, Liz, four.
2: Okay, number four.
1: Liz, who is also Honey Badger. Go ahead.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> well, for my number four, I'm going to talk about one of the things that really confused me. Well, for one thing, it tells you how simple and streamlined the rules are and they're not you touched on in the mike and the mechanics you know there's the various different kinds of energy mm-hmm. that i found rather confusing on a first read through cuz you've got your basic energy which is the energy it takes to bring weapons and armor and stuff through time yeah, with you that that don't belong well i'm not sure about that cuz they t- they call that basic energy But then they talk about your own personal energy that you use to do stuff. And then there's group energy that you pool as a group to open the gate and do these other things. And then there's permanent energy, which is like XP and you add that to your personal energy for every game session. You roll your personal energy and you can add your permanent energy to that number. And then you've got the combat reserve, which is different from all of that. It's like,
3: And it's not mentioned until you get to the weapons. Right, right. You
2: don't hear about basic energy at all until you get to the weapons versions and how much basic energy it costs to bring that weapon with you to whatever time period you're going to. Or a
3: steam train.
2: Yeah, it's like, okay, (laughs) is basic energy personal energy? Is it different? I don't know what basic energy is.
3: Yeah, we always played it as it, it was just, he meant personal energy, but I, that was just a guess. So, I don't know.
2: It's like, do we need that many different kinds of energy? Could we at least cut it down from these five different kinds to just maybe two? Yeah. You know?
3: Group energy seems to me to be unnecessary. Just have the gate open. Why do you need to have a group energy total? And you have a total of how much energy you'll need to actually open an adventure to go into
0: it. Well, it was confusing, but I got got the part that, okay, you want to take a tank back to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's going to take group energy.
2: And it's going to be a lot more expensive to do that than to take a handgun. But, you know...
3: Well, why not just say, increase everyone's personal energy and say, you know, if y'all all want to contribute toward a vehicle. You...
1: Well, see, my, my takeaway was that the the ship the or the gate, whatever, would work as long as... Like, if you walked through it, your mind and body would go. And everything else is if you had energy. So I always presumed that... Like you were t- saying that you may not even be able to open the gate and then there's no game, which would be silly. But they in the rules, when they're talking about the, the ceremony to make it happen, the, one of the rules is the mind and the body are capable of going at any time, but the others require energy. So I, I kind of get the impression the gate would open and you could pass through, but your stuff may not go with you.
2: Except you're, that you're,
1: you're thinking about going commando, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just saying I've seen Terminator. Except- yeah. <laughs>
3: Except that later on, they say anything you wear goes through without any energy cost. Yeah. Anything you're wearing or have with you.
1: You could take a book with you.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Or a machine gun.
1: You could take the Anne Rice novels to Dracula.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That'll teach him.
2: And then he'll kill you. Uh, (laughs) Oh, but going back to whether or not you can keep rolling until you have enough points to Uh be able to go through the gate... That's on page seven. Your group may roll the spheres until they generate sufficient energy to activate the gateway of their choice. So So basically basically, you can just keep on rolling until you get whatever numbers you like.
1: I have a personal confession to say here. I was thinking for a minute because I was on Jim's train of thought that there was a ship and there were these giant spheres that your characters had to be pushing around no they're dice smarty pants they're,
2: they're just dice
3: so that's your four
2: <laughs> Too too much energy
3: okay need too much energy to track your energy <laughs>
2: that's right
3: hey mike what's your four my four corbett kind of started mentioning it about the ceremony of creation, of to begin the game, the ceremony of how it instructs you to begin the ceremony of, of opening the time ship. And, and all I could sit, I was reading that again and thinking if any minister or parent from the 20, 1980s had read that in this rule book, this would be number one of explanation of why RPGs are satanic and going to destroy your kids' souls. Agreed. And at the same time, <laughs> I would pay money to sit in on a game where they were running Timeship, but they insisted on doing it exactly as the book says. With facing Cosmic East, with the candle lightings, the challenges (laughs) and the vows.
0: And you've told your players anything you're wearing or you have on you is free to go it doesn't cost energy points and they show up like they're going to their army reserve sessions. oh <laughs>
3: that was standard operating procedure when we played in middle school yeah oh, for real oh yeah oh, please
2: he basically says you can do it in the rules mm-hmm. so why wouldn't you
3: <laughs> yeah, tell me more tell me more i gotta hear this let's see todd brought a shotgun and his world war ii german steel helmet because that's safe then <laughs> have my lever action rifle Harbison wore a flak jacket and a bayonet. The World War II ones, the long, you know, with the serrated edge Marine bayonets. I, I'm loving this. I want to be crystal clear. These were all real. <laughs> real. They brought to my grandmother's on the patio, had sitting by the chair because I insisted it had to be there. Because <laughs> that's silly me. I thought that would stop. And them.
1: you thought the ceremony <laughs> would disturb people? <laughs> <laughs>
3: This is North Mississippi in the (laughs) 1980s. Having guns around didn't bother people.
2: Well, clearly it did not bother your grandmother. It did not
3: bother my grandmother. (laughs) It did not bother any of these kids' parents. Well, except it would have bothered Ben's, but Ben's didn't know.
2: Don't worry, Ben.
3: We're keeping it a secret. Just the four of us and all 12 of our listeners (laughs) will know. So that's my number four. It, it was disturbing, yet at the same time, I think it would be hilarious to sit in on. And if I ran Timeship at North Texas, I probably would insist on doing all this exactly by the book oh,
0: and bring yeah. a candle. Uh, you know, within the rules of the venue.
3: Well, yeah. Yeah. I've got some of those electric candles that I can use.
0: Oh, no, come to think of it, North Texas Con is the place to do it, because I'm pretty sure the guy that runs the con is packing.
3: I didn't mean carrying guns. I meant the ceremony with the candle and the bows and everything. No, I'm not (laughs) suggesting people carry guns. But, you know, this is Texas, and it is an open carry, so yeah.
0: I'm going to taunt you. If you run that game at a North Texas Con, I'm in. (laughs) I'm at the
2: table.
3: All right. So, you're three.
0: My number three uh, dovetails nicely off what you just shared. The uh, I'm just really perturbed at the whole self-assessment character sheet game stat thing. I didn't like it in the first uh, Vig- Villains and Vigilantes, and I like it even less in this game. I mean, I'm playing a role-playing game so I can shoot lightning bolts out my finger, you know, and fireballs and stuff. I don't need to be five foot eight. At the, in 1983, 120 pounds sopping wet, you know, me. But just as a mechanic, it's awful because, I mean, I, I we've talked about this before. You know, you, it's, it's a problem just waiting to happen because the players are all going to have overinflated ideas of their own stats. Then the burden goes to the GM to pipe them down and nobody is going to ever enjoy that process. And even as the rules are written... I questioned some of it, not, and I'll need your help, Mike, because you please correct me. I have a very fragmentary understanding of this game engine, but it looked to me like the two hit with weapons starts at 60%, and then through character generation, you up and down that?
3: Depending on what uh, points you put or remove from various areas, yeah.
0: Or what you bring to the table as a real live human being. See, that's... right. That's, that's crap because uh, you grew up in Mississippi. I grew up in Kentucky uh, with a dad who was a Tennessee, you know, backwoodsman. I was being taught to discharge a shotgun at age five. I know how to aim a firearm at, at something and hit it. And I'm not 60 percent. I mean, it's one thing being out in the woods shooting tin cans. It's a whole other thing, you know, going through the fall of Berlin well, and Nazi Germany.
3: That's the base. I'm not
0: going to be 60 percent anything except peeing in my pants. Well, yeah, that but that's
3: the base number. It, it gets modified, you know situational at least i'm told that you're not actually given any you're just supposed to make it up on the fly but yeah no i i understand
0: the whole mechanic is just problems and it can
3: right unless you really don't care and i get the the feeling that's part of it is like you know who cares it's game we're all here to have fun you know that that mindset and to be fair he's from ireland northern ireland so you know
0: you're the historian, but with the IRA around and all that, it's well, pretty much a lot okay. like Kentucky and Especially Mississippi. I... Especially any
3: time of trouble, so oh, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I...
0: Wild Stallion. <laughs> Run the game in Northern Ireland and one of your players shows up with a pipe bomb. Yeah. Hey, look what I brought. I could
3: this is free to take through the oh, game. Oh, oh, um one of my uh Chris Ogdahl, he he brought a Molotov cocktail.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. That's true. Liz, I know you grew up in the South too, but boys in the South, that's a different thing. My brother and I made our own black powder, you know, in junior
1: high.
2: <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> so we've
1: established that this is definitely the show and tell of RPG games. For
3: RPGs, yeah. <laughs> See, it's got crafts in it too. so
2: Very DIY. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
3: Okay, Corbett, three.
2: <laughs> okay, I actually
1: have a, a thought just a thought and this is my it was actually my number one but i because i was i was kind of agreeing with you as far as the it's totally intended to be you and that's kind of dumb but i thought about this and i don't have a bulletproof car or a steam train so i think (laughs) maybe if you went (laughs) if you went
3: back to last tuesday You might could afford it, maybe, (laughs) but energy-wise.
1: But no, no, I'm 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 thinking they they maybe this is a J.J. Abrams esque thing where it's like it's a parallel world where you're much cooler and can go running through Nazi Germany with a shotgun and be kind of okay at it. Not great, but sure. Maybe maybe the initial idea is yeah, you play yourself, but then they started adding more stuff later and went maybe you could play anybody. I guess maybe.
3: Well yeah, they never really say what hap what do you do when you're killed.
1: Yeah, well you lose five points permanent five permanent points, which could leave you at a deficit.
3: That's true, and you're you're dead, quote unquote, but you still get to come back. That's yeah, you
1: true. essentially have an extra life. You have another quarter. <laughs> that's that's kind of true too. There's no actual death in the game.
2: Alrighty.
3: Uh Liz, three.
2: Kind of running with Corbett's idea that maybe they started to think about not having people actually playing quote-unquote themselves just straight up. One of the things that the game touches upon, not very much, but they it mentions something called wild talents. And those are basically mental abilities that can manifest spontaneously during the course of an adventure but the game gives virtually no real explanation of how this is actually used within gameplay. The first mention of it is like a paragraph and it implies that the talents if they manifest at all only exist within the time capsule or the adventure and that they vanish once the players exit it. Yeah, go later they say they've got a list of what the wild talents are and in the list it says the powers are permanent. And none of the powers are ever given any in-game stats to allow the player to know how they would actually work if they were told by the Time Lord, sorry, the Time Lord, (laughs) how that, hey, you've now got telepathy. Okay, how do I use that? Well, I'll tell you if you do anything with it. (laughs) (laughs) That seems to be the extent of it. Yep.
1: So it's like, you know,
2: we thought about doing stuff to make you more than yourself, but then we didn't really follow through.
0: Precognition is one of those wild talents, and you better have rules for how to run Precognition, or it's going to be a boring game. Yeah,
2: well, Precognition sounds to me like it's going to be the GM tells you when you know something.
3: Or or notes, yeah.
2: And it's, it's... it's DM fiat, deus ex machina. It's like, okay, the GM is going to use this to give you information when he or she feels you need it. And otherwise, you don't get to do anything with it, which that's how it sounds like yeah. it would wind up so working. kind of like
1: a Deanna Troy thing. I have a feeling that something's wrong. Specifically? <laughs> I
2: feel <No>. boredom.
1: <laughs> it's boredom.
2: I feel boredom. Immense boredom.
3: <laughs> From Liz. Yes! What are you feeling, Deanna?
0: Well, I'm having trouble breathing in this outfit.
3: <laughs> well, my three, over kind of that and what Corbett was talking about, is everything you do, pretty much in this game, you have to spend energy for. Usually it's not much, unless it's the items. The cooler items cost more. One of the things you can do is shapeshift. And basically, that's something to stick in there, so if you are, say, not of an Aryan ideal, and you need to walk around Nazi Berlin, you spend a few points, you can shapeshift to look Aryan ideal for the duration of that adventure. Sorry, time capsule. You can also change gender with this, as well as ethnicity, all that. Which makes me feel like, I, I don't know, the, I can't decide if this is sort of woke, or if this is a little insulting, and at the point, you reach a point to where you're not really playing yourself anymore, because you can be anyone you want to be. I don't. I, or an owl. <laughs> or you could be an owl, yeah, I guess, if you wanted to do that. So I, I don't know how I feel about it, but it's there. So that's my three. Jim, two,
0: My number two is just a lament that underneath everything we're talking about, there's some very ambitious game design ideas that James Herbert Brennan started with. He just couldn't deliver on them in 1983 for whatever reason. I mean, um, this game... And, and you can tell me from your real world experience how correct I am or if I'm dead dog wrong. But it seems to me like this game is completely dependent on having an experienced first generation high caliber old school DM to run it. Because yes. as Liz suggested earlier, so much of what is mediated depends on DM fiat and also a group of players who are willing to sign up for all that. Without that, with, with, without that you know, like you drop these rules on out of gateway games and more. And give everybody a week to read the rules and run the game. I don't know what they would do.
3: It might be an interesting experiment just to see what each person came up with as far as how to run the game.
0: I'll dare, I'll dare DM Todd, Todd to do that and see what happens. <laughs> you do have a copy, so <laughs> yeah, I'll have a copy soon. So, but you know what I mean? Because I'm I'm reading in between the lines through this rulebook, and I'm seeing that they only play tested this themselves. This didn't go out to outside groups. Certainly not outside of. UK for playtesting, and they were super happy with what they'd written and how they were playing, the game they were playing, and you guys must have been too if you played it to death. Who ran that? Was it you, or was it somebody else?
3: Oh, it was me. I always, it was my game. I, I always ran it but then i usually ran stuff 90% of the time anyway so
0: so like lots of you just made your own rules up in dm fiat to keep Pretty the game much. going right as
3: long as we kept it as a percentile and it made sense to us we just kept it rolling maybe that was part of the reason i liked it there were so few rules that certain rules lawyers i could name but won't couldn't twist them on me and that's for sure
0: Well, yeah it's it's a great it's a great sort of way to hinge your whole game on. I, I mean, in my mind's eye, this is how Dave Arneson ran D&D in Blackmoor, right? Is because he was a master DM and he could just wing it at the table. I know how to wing it at the table at a convention, but not everybody can do that. I mean, God help you, you're flipping through that rule book trying to figure out what to do.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't want to use the book as a reference point. It's terrible organizational-wise.
2: Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, which is weird because you'd
3: think with only 18 pages to worry about, wouldn't have been that hard. But anyway...
1: Okay, Corbett, too. Okay, well, I can bounce off of this because I know I'm kind of curious. Really liked it. I almost want to incorporate it in every game I have is uh, one of the rules of the time ship because there's a set of like written uh, preset phrasing sort of like Ten Commandments type rules they have about when I was talking about it earlier about you know your body can go and your mind can go but items require energy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> when they're picking a Time Lord or as Liz would say, Time Lord! <laughs> You can choose your Time Lord by Secret Ballot, Mortal Kombat, or whatever. So, Mike, how did you <laughs> get the title? <laughs> um, everybody said, you're
3: running this, right?
1: <laughs> so, Mortal uh, Kombat, okay. eh?
2: I just Definitely got this cool Mortal new game. Kombat. We really
3: need to play it. Okay, you run it. We'll play it. Um, okay.
1: <laughs> I'm guessing in Mortal Kombat, the loser is the one who has to play it.
0: <laughs> See that's 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 not the story Corbett wanted to hear. He wanted to hear the story. You all stood in a circle in junior high and frogged the crap out of each other's <laughs> shoulders till somebody gave in.
3: It. It. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: you just have to imagine the Star Trek fistfight, you know.
2: Yes. He is your guide, <laughs> all you who now desire to venture into time.
1: I just thought it was a funny little rule. Like, I've never heard of how you pick the DM. It's usually the DM's like, okay, I guess I'll do it.
3: <laughs> not it, not it, not it.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> For the Time Lord henceforth holds your lives within his hands. <laughs>
0: Liz, I'll give you $10 to bet 500 Kwatlus on the winner. <laughs> In
2: that voice. I bet 500 Kwatlus on the winner.
0: Oh, crap. Now i got to pull PayPal up and do it. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> Just send us a $10 gift certificate to Mud Puppy Games. <laughs> Listeners, The half the book is written like that.
1: Totally. So, we should have Liz chance. read it all and put it on the Patreon. So... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would so do it. I would so do it.
3: A page a, a week or something and just put it up there. All right, Liz, number two.
2: Number two. All right. What, what should I use for number two? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh. There are three adventures that are included in the book. One takes place in the far future, the end of time. One takes place during early biblical times and one in the mid-20th century. On the plus side, it is a good cross-section of eras to give variety to the players, depending on whether their interests are in going backward or forward in time. That is a positive. It's about the only positive for these adventures. (laughs) So enjoy it. Um, The adventures are described as, and I quote, in every case... They are the work of committed professionals. First, I would like to know where they were committed. (laughs) Second, are they still there? And finally, don't even tell (laughs) me that they were written by anybody other than Herbie Brennan. (laughs) It's all him. It's J.H.
3: Brennan later in the book. I'm sure it's a cousin.
2: Yes, he uses multiple versions of his own name throughout the book. Like, we're not going to realize this is the same person. No, no, no,
0: that's a thing with him. His, uh, his published bibliography, which is lengthy, a bunch of it's written in pseudonyms.
2: Oh my gosh. And then it further goes on to say that the adventure capsules are described as Based on painstakingly accurate research <laughs> into the period culture and characters involved, I call. And
1: you're just going to make me edit stuff, aren't you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the biblical adventure in. Gamora reads like a 13-year-old's idea of what being in Sodom and Gomorrah was like, (laughs) as opposed to any real historical fact. The whole thing is just one sexual cliche after another. It's awful.
3: Hey, Liz. (laughs) What? On Tuesday, I'm going out (laughs) with girls.
2: (laughs) You're you're right,
3: though.
0: It was like like an Irish version of Judges Guild, you know, for salacious teenage content.
2: That was just terrible, terrible, terrible.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: like There is no painstakingly accurate research going on anywhere at all. <laughs> None.
1: I have two words that can solve that whole thing.
2: Mm. Wild Stallion!
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, it was it was uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, as per Bill and Ted. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's what I was wow. thinking when I was reading it. Like, yeah, I could totally see him getting so crates and
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> beef oven and hanging out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Which gets to my number two. Number two. I'm not bitching about the history because, quite frankly, we have virtually no historical information on the city of Gomorrah or Sodom. All we have is really from the Bible and a bunch of suppositions as to some ruins found here or there. But yeah, I mean, reading through that, it's lots of boobies and (laughs) half your all your random encounters are two or three people having sex behind a bush. That's all of them. Half of all your encounters.
0: So is it Gamora or (laughs) Collar?
3: Yes. Well, yeah, because 15% of them, I think, roughly are the poison snakes falling from trees and attacking you in the middle of a city. But there's like an opium den where he's sure to call it. Remember when I was saying I couldn't decide if it was woke? It's not woke because a fat oriental runs the establishment. Really? Really? It, you are aware that the Far East never heard of opium? It was the British that took it there in the early 19th century.
1: Never mind. Okay, fine.
2: Painstakingly accurate research, research mind. Are Yeah,
1: Are you yeah. a dedicated professional? I don't think so. Or no, committed You're Not <laughs> as professional. dedicated as these
2: guys.
0: I'm
1: not committed as these guys. So, so wait, wait. Sure. Is the secret origin of your, his- your interest
0: in history, was it sparked by this game because you just wanted to know what really happened?
1: I really want I to I mean were you like aura. 14
0: and went that <laughs> and I know it I'm going to go find out what really happened and you know 20 years later you're a history um, professor. Yeah.
3: No because at 14 I was too busy looking at the picture with the boobies. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, man. and there's things like it, it's all. Yeah, there's prostitutes all over the place. There it, there's that home the gay guy that shows up with a lisp. Really, even for 1983, that's lame. What the hell are you doing? Ugh. So, yeah, just awful, awful.
1: I do want to point out to our listeners that this was Mike's selection. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Some of this I had forgotten. Yeah, that that was one of them. I mean, yeah, he, he's sure to say the guy is a proficient combatant, you know, very reliable and excellent associate. But then why did you have to stick that there? Why? Could could you just left that... Uh... I'm glad
0: you picked this, Mike, because after four weeks of being locked up in my apartment, something I could really go off on is a tonic to my soul. So thank you for picking this.
3: Yeah, <laughs> You're welcome. But
2: better this game than his neighbors. So
3: again, I'm not so much bashing the the history of it it, as much as really, did you have to just take what you thought was a Victorian or even a 20th century Las Vegas and put everybody in robes and sandals and call it Gamora? I mean, really judges guild was doing better than this as far as, you know, really depraved cities, seven cities of Harn did better than this, you know, and they're contemporary and I will not touch the uh assassinate the fuhrer well maybe a little okay (laughs) they mentioned german soldiers walking around in khaki uniforms and carrying sten guns machine guns the iconic british machine gun of world war ii okay done jim number one
0: no i've been i've been waiting all recording for you to go off like on the history (laughs) he's holding back so hard (laughs) This this thing was so bizarre. I had to go do research just to put it in context, right? I didn't want to be un, completely unfair to it, so uh, I'd never owned a Yuquinto game. Went and looked them up, found out that uh, a lot like Troll Lords today, the thing they had going for them was they had their own printing presses, mm-hmm. and uh, were, they were
3: actually a printing company first,
0: and and after, as it turns out, when the game company crashed, but. Uh, uh, and so, you know, as a, as a game publisher, they were respected. They had a couple of hit games like Ironclad and uh, and having their own presses meant that you got like really sturdy cardboard counters in the war games and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. High quality stuff. And uh, I I don't have the physical box yet, but I, I understand, you know, component wise, it's really well printed. Um, the game itself has, has languished until it was picked up by uh, Pressus Intermedia, who's done the reprint pdf that we all read for this and that got me thinking you know like what would i do okay you're a game designer jim boy if this is so terrible how would you fix it and uh i couldn't come up with anything until uh i mean like to fix it would be to change so much of it it wouldn't be timeship anymore the best i could come up with was um use this ga- these game mechanics and this rule system for a mystery theater 3000 version of because of what you were saying that the 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 even the time travel and the history invented is very cheesy roger corman b movie you know hercules italy sands and sand and sandals crap so go lean into
3: that that could be awesome like corbett said wild stallions (laughs) i know
0: maybe you maybe instead of experience points to build your personal energy you get rated on how savage the circus sarcastic cracks you make during the game are i don't know but i mean,
3: yeah,
0: but uh, sort but of a otherwise, double
3: immersion thing going on.
0: I'm fascinated that somebody in 2020 picked this game up and is republishing the PDF. I mean, I'm, I'm glad from a historical viewpoint, but why? I mean, this is yeah. this is IP I wouldn't touch if you gave it to me for free. I'm the guy that grew up and loved Gamma World, saw Dungeon Core Classics, and went, let's mash the two together. Uh, there's no originality of that, it was just a good idea to mash those two together. How mm. would I? This, this game is such a mess that you couldn't fix it without changing it into a completely different game
1: I well, guess that's or my make point. the parody i think the parody is a pretty cool idea insulting to the game maker maybe but i think it's fun
0: well i mean <laughs> if anybody wants to hire me to write mystery science theater 3000 the role-playing game i'm in
3: crisis center <laughs> media call jim
0: I, I'll, I'll cite time chip as a inspirational source okay
3: Corbett.
1: man when i win the lottery you're gonna get a serious phone call <laughs> <laughs> last one right uh, Russian nesting doll I love the fact that the game is a game within a game about not being a game I know that sounds incredibly stupid and Liz hates it Jim hates it Mike is having some second thoughts about his life choices <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 a very over the top this this goes back to actually Jim's compliment to it that it is a very over the top idea that the writer jumped in and, and it's it is written sort of Blair Witch style, a found manuscript, and you, you're then going off on an adventure. And that's pretty interesting. And it's very. Picture
3: of Liz sobbing, <laughs> apologizing, <laughs> just please make the pain go away. Yeah.
1: No, no, you're
0: right. I mean, I don't like what was published, but there were very ambitious ideas attempted.
1: Yeah, it was a yeah. really, like, over the top. Like, I mean, I couldn't even imagine trying to do this, even with, like, totally different rules. It's like, no, it's a game within a reality, within a game that's not a game at all. It's totally real, but it's separate. And uh, so you're hey. essentially <laughs>
3: opening yourself up to every genre when you do a time travel. It's like superheroes. Yeah. You know, anything goes.
1: I, I agree. I, I agree. The rules would be a hard press to like fix. As far as the idea, the concept, he, he went pretty high concept.
0: Oh, yeah. That's why I bought it. Even the idea of it's this fantasy world, but you're you. you. You fell into it. I mean, that was all the rage back then, the Guardians of the Flame series. I mean, we gobbled those books up.
3: Totally. Yeah, and, which reminds me, um, we had some people in our Tyler groups that would run us you know, in that kind of scenario. But the way we self-statted is everyone around the table were supposed to give what they thought their own stats were and everyone else's. And turn it into the DM, and he would then average it all, and that would be your character. See, Which you just wrote rules that actually work. Thank you. <laughs> well, actually, Kevin McCarley did, but, you know, whatever works. But yeah, I mean, that, just right off the gate, that is a better way of trying to figure out, trying to come with... And yeah, it's still probably a bit high, but since nobody has a vested interest and everyone at the table sucking, you know, so... But yeah, I mean, there's ways around it.
1: It might make players a little more kind during the Mortal Kombat to see who's going to become the My. Time Lord. Because <laughs> you don't want him to give you bad numbers.
3: On the other <laughs> hand, True. you get the microphone to say... Time Lord! Okay, there.
1: <laughs> now,
3: you're number one.
2: My number one?
0: Yes. I kept thinking that would get old eventually, but it hasn't it, yet. It, it really I doesn't
1: it. get old at all. <laughs>
2: okay number one uh <laughs> she
1: says wincing my number man. one is liz with the mic <laughs> liz your number one needs to coup de
0: gras this game so mike doesn't get a number one just just <laughs> take it. it's down it's bleeding out now finish it
2: uh, it's not going to be that good but i am going to point out in in the hitler adventure The game actually tells you how to use the combat mechanics to simulate the torture of an NPC. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Torturing info out of the NPCs is mentioned specifically more than once leading me to ask how many people are going straight to torture as an option for getting information here and I'm actually kind of afraid of the answer so please don't tell me Uh, (laughs) let me continue to assume that most players don't think like that for my own personal sanity but that just kind of of floored me that they just like oh and if you want to torture this person to get them to tell you you should use the combat rules this way and blah 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 it's like why are you telling me this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, torture. But it's not torture. It's, uh, yeah. Not that that really
3: makes it any better, but, you know.
2: At least one of those instances, you're torturing a woman, a secretary, to get information. It's like, really?
0: That's (laughs) not how Colonel Hogan did it.
2: (laughs) I should hope not. I will say, though, even though... This The first adventure, Murder at the End of Time, was kind of dumb, but it was weird. It didn't take itself too seriously. Whimsical. Honest, yeah. The best part is having the murder victim following you around throughout the adventure because he also wants to know who killed him.
3: I really felt like that Murder at the End of Time would have been a perfect Sylvester McCoy Doctor Who episode.
2: It would have. I could because see he got him. got that weird. I could see him an ace doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean. With Dracula following you around with a knife in his chest.
2: Yes,
3: <laughs> And the McDonald's and yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, okay. And we're not even going to get into how a knife,
3: not a steak took Dracula down. Right. Well, it didn't because <laughs> he's walking around and telling you. <laughs> it just well, gave him amnesia, apparently.
2: Hey, he knows he's dead, though. <laughs>
3: That's true.
0: That was the adventure that pissed me off the most, because until I got to the end of it, I couldn't understand what the adventure was doing. And then when they when they finally told me, it just made me
3: mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was very kill of the mo- kill-, kill kill the, the moon. moon. I never yeah. actually ran that ever, because my players, I was like, no, this is stupid. They're not going to get that. now. we just went right to Gamora and boobies. And you weren't
0: immediately attracted to run the adventure where the murderers are future humans disguised as tiny babies by Little Red Riding Hood Sperry's while Dracula babies. follows you around. Yep. And there's a robot you can't tell. It's a robot Victorian guy on a
1: penny cycle. Yep.
3: <laughs> Bro, what? Who is totally not John Cleese.
1: <laughs> Makes total sense to me. I don't get <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In
0: a
3: desert. What? What? <laughs>
0: Well, much like Dracula, we haven't killed this game yet, Mike. You still get your your, your number one. Yeah,
3: my number one. The attributes for the NPCs that you run into is something you have to really wrap your brain around, because if you come from the idea that more hit points means more powerful when you just roll stuff, it it can throw you off, because there are parts where like in Gamora, you've got a leprous prostitute that has more "quote unquote" energy points than one of the guards at the gate at the castle, or you know, you've got Martin Borman, who has twice the hit points of has an, the same hit points as three SS guards combined. You know, it just. But then, if you if you take the mindset, it's totally random. Wild stallions. (laughs) And, you know, you just roll with it, and then it's not so bad. I like the very short lines. You're given, basically, their points they can absorb, their speed factor, which you roll basically as initiative, and uh, weapon, if any. And that's it. You're ready to go. Yeah, it's not a stat
0: block. It's just a stat line.
3: It's not. It's barely a stat line. I mean, because the D&D stat lines used to give you more than that. But that's all you need in the context of the game, although it does result in odd circumstances because each body part has a certain number of energy points. So, if I do enough points to oh Corbett's head to decapitate him, according to the head, you know the points a head can take.
1: Like but he's still
3: got energy points left. His body's still walking around.
1: Yeah, it's just a flesh wound.
3: And his head is talking. <laughs> yeah. so... Wild stallions.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you could burn energy points to, quote unquote, reconnect things. So if you've got a lot of points left, you can reconnect your head. So, yeah, that's different.
0: Wait, what was that movie? The Head That Wouldn't Die.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh.
1: That disturbed awful. me so much as a kid. <gasps>
3: all right well let's see what makes the save and what's gonna take half
2: what makes the save and what is going to take half
3: we're gonna go reverse order this time and start with liz what makes the save
2: what makes the save all right as has been mentioned before The overall concept behind the game is a good one. You are playing yourself, which I personally do not like, but others may, and for the time it was a unique and fresh idea. You're traveling through time, trying to complete your various missions. There are potentially other time travelers out there, which you may encounter during the course of this, and these people can either help you or their missions might be opposed to your own. On the face of it, This should have been a good game. It should have been solid. So, yeah, making the save is... I think this had a really solid concept behind it. What takes half? While the concept was good, unfortunately, the execution was not. (laughs) The overdone purple prose throughout the book made this an extremely painful read. I could not get through this in a single sitting. I had to stop multiple times, walk away from this, and come back. I had to jump around at places. I I could not do a solid read-through from front to back of these rules. It was just, it was bad. Like Corbett mentioned, was it Corbett or was it Jim, about the terrible organization of the rules?
1: I think everybody mentioned that at one point.
2: Yeah, it was like, well, you know... (laughs) The, the terrible organization of the rules made my beloved Holmes basic rule book look good in comparison <laughs> it made the little brown books look good
3: and it had more actual rules
2: yeah oh, true. yeah I mean that's that's me <laughs> makes the save takes half Corbett
1: really just half not full
2: well Mike said it only takes half I would say it didn't make the save at all but take
1: double. <laughs> <laughs> You can't take half from disintegration. Oh.
3: <laughs> You're half disintegrated.
1: Says you, I lost my head, and I'm fine. <laughs> okay, makes a save. I am a big lover of doing bits. Little comedy Kill bits Corbett, or whatever. You medieval dickweed. <laughs> <laughs> like so. And to, to, to do bits, you have to be committed to them. And usually i break you get enough of a joke and you can kind of move along i love the intro piece the intro piece that five pages of this is really a thing it's really happening they like sink into it full bore teeth and all like this is real and exclamation point all caps it was real <laughs> no <laughs> that part i I agree with liz that part was really interesting to read out of all the rest of it and in this one they never break the feel you are the time lord and you are responsible and you are the voyagers and you wow so over the top i kind of enjoyed that i think normally i probably wouldn't but i really really just like yeah i'm in let's do this (laughs) doesn't make the save is actually um, something Mike mentioned before the ritual. If anybody <laughs> was performing what? this, I in 1983. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exact. Yeah. Especially so in the say South. we all. So say we all. Say we all you will <laughs> like,
3: take the oath of the Voyager. No
2: yeah, man.
1: I mean,
3: you just
0: that that situation just needs one local reporter and a photo to go wrong. <laughs> it would
1: be really bad just just in general that'd be like saying okay guys we're gonna play dnd tonight but let me pull out the candles and the black robes
2: black leaf <laughs> no
1: you can't play anymore mike your character's dead
2: <laughs> no
1: but without black leaf, i have
2: nothing Anyway, are your souls at peace
3: <laughs> not anymore and if
0: and, if, and- if you're listening to this, and that's the way you choose to play D anD D, that's fine. Just don't invite any reporters. <laughs> yes,
3: please. For the rest of us,
0: please don't.
3: <laughs> we
0: like playing the game. We want to keep doing it. We, we want you to stay safe, Bad Mike.
3: <laughs> <laughs> because we're not going to name names. Go for it. Okay, Jim.
0: Oh, what makes the save is this game makes me want to get my hands on a time machine just so I can go back in time to stop this game from ever being published. <laughs> what doesn't make the save is You're... just by existing, this game proves I never get my hands oh, on a time man. machine.
3: Yeah, take all the fun of my middle school years away.
1: Yeah, now I'm all sad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like disprove time travel now why don't you god
3: boom baby <laughs> hey see Jim could get... decide Ooh, yeah. among all his items what was going to be d- takes half so he...
2: hey maybe you do get the time machine but somebody else comes from the future to tell you that what you're about to do is a bad idea <laughs> The time travel
3: guild interfered yeah oh
0: Cheap-ass press. I love the game Patent Number 1 because that's that's a time travel game where everybody gets a time machine and you're all racing to be the first person on day one when the patent office opens to file a patent on the time machine. That's a game. But I digress. Mike, what makes a safe? I
3: like the quick and dirty way they figure out how to the cost to take an item from modern day back or forward in time. It's a very cheap, quick... You multiply the energy cost per century you're traveling. So, like, something costs 15 energy on the list. That's how long it would take to take it from here to 1920, or more or less the 20th century. 19th century, it now costs 30. 18th century, 45, so on and so forth. You just multiply. And it does it for the other direction, too, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me, but I guess for ease. And let's face it, we all want to take something anachronistic on a time travel because that's part of the fun. That makes us safe.
1: That's how I got Hitler's little finger. <laughs>
3: we all got all, our... <laughs> all three of them. All three of them.
1: Little manpower. Hitler
2: rel- reliquary. <laughs>
3: Be not Adolf Quittler. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> well, if you've already tortured a secretary, what's a little finger? <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, takes half. Inconsistent rules. I don't mind rules light, but there should be a lot more guidance than three or four pages, supposed guidance to the time. To- <clears throat> Liz.
2: Time Lord.
3: Yeah, more pages are needed, especially with rules light. You need a lot more just plain old explanation and hints. Because as I've said before, there's always that chance that you've got somebody holding this. I mean, this was tough, and we know what RPGs are. Can you imagine somebody, this is their first RPG ever? Oh
1: dear, that is horrifying.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just, wow!
1: Jim, you've got to get to work on that time machine. (laughs) (laughs) So.
3: That has been Time Ship by Herbie Brennan and Yaquinto Games. For better
1: or worse, you'll never get this time back.
3: (laughs) There will be a link to the PDF on the show notes. It's five bucks. If you want, it's got the GM screen and the little handouts as part of the PDF. So you've got everything you need there, including one character sheet.
2: Step through the gateway.
3: See, you heard it. And it was the big voice, so there
2: you
3: go. <laughs> Say goodnight, everybody.
2: Goodnight, Time Lord. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: See ya, Lord. Adios. Wild Stallions! <laughs> <laughs> We're out
3: of
0: time. For half Podcast is a production of the Mutt Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Save for Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half.
1: durch die Leben